if each unhappy family and unhappy marriage is unhappy in its own way, then why does the, the solution look the same for everybody? This divorce where we fight over things and have custody arrangements and alimony and sell our house and, you know, lose half your friends. And why, why is that the solution to so many problems that are actually quite different? This is Meredith For Real, The Curious Introvert, and I'm Meredith. I explore the questions people think but don't ask out loud, either because they're taboo or thanks to cultural hypnosis. My mission, and yours if you choose to accept it, is to inspire curiosity by exploring the nuance and paradox of our world. Each episode is different, so bring your ADD and your earbuds and have a look around. Hey, Curiositors, it's me, Meredith. I bet you didn't expect an episode about divorce in my love and relationship series, did you? Well, stick around. I'm full of surprises and questions. Always with the questions. This episode begs the question, is there only one way to do divorce? And is divorce the problem or the solution? All right, enjoy the show. Divorce. It's the stuff that makes up country songs and TMZ gossip articles. The ugly, the backstabbing, the custody battles. There's at least one mention of it every day in my morning social media scroll. You can imagine my surprise then when I read the headline, Woman Lives with Her Ex-Husband, Two Teenagers, and His New Wife. Well, my next guest is that woman. Not only has this been their living arrangement for the last decade, but she even gave the speech at her ex-husband's wedding. Today, through her story, she's going to share why divorce doesn't have to be a tragedy and how new partners don't have to be a threat. Psychologist, author, Divorce Revolutionary, Dr. Suzanne Vickberg. Thanks for coming on the show. Hi, did great you, to be here. Did you ever think that um, your divorce story would be a part of a love and relationship series? <sighs> well, you know, I have been thinking about it a lot as Valentine's Day is coming up and sort of planning, like, what, what story do I want to share around Valentine's Day related to divorce? Yeah, that's true. It's funny how... Um, when you approach something in life with curiosity, it can look like rebellion. When you ask the question, what if I do it this way instead of that way? And I feel like that's just a huge part of your story. Yeah, I actually, it's sort of the crux of it, I think, because with divorce, there's such a traditional way to do it. And the traditional way is just really not great right? It's really, really hard on a lot of people. Um, And I feel like we just asked a lot of questions, like, why does it have to be this way? What if we did it differently? And that's how we ended up in this uh, situation. So what was that process like of, for, I guess, you personally, and then also what was it like discussion-wise between you and your ex-husband when y'all were deciding, should we stay miserable and married or get divorced? Yeah. Well, um, it, it wasn't easy, you know, it's more than a decade ago now. So, um, you know, we were married for about seven years, but together for maybe about three years before that. And it had just become, we were kind of roommates at that point. We didn't have like that deep connection. We didn't have the chemistry, we had the same arguments over and over, which that part's like most marriages, right? But I just 
for me, I was like, this can't be it. Like, this can't be the love relationship of my life. And when I first started talking about, like, wanting to get divorced, um, you know, it's not that I wanted it, but he, he absolutely didn't want it. Um, and at the time, I, I really honestly didn't think that far in advance. All I, all I was saying was, we don't have to move out of the house. We don't have, we can both raise our kids together. We can stay here. We can be a family, but we need to acknowledge that the marriage part is over, that we're not romantic partners anymore. Um, and, you know, it was a little bit of a struggle at first, but I moved into the guest room and we just kind of got used to that. And it helps that he met his now wife very quickly. very quickly after we split up. And so that really changed the dynamic, I think, for us. That makes sense. What is the, what did that look like? So he gets engaged and he says to his newly betrothed, and we're all going to live in this house. Did she take some convincing or did she realize that was just part of the package? She, she realized from day one, it was part of the package. And I think he and I both have always presented it that way. It's a non-negotiable. Like I come with a, with a family and an ex and, you know, this strange living situation. When he started dating, he, he met her like six weeks after we split up. Um, And, you know, we didn't know what we were doing really at the time, but he told her, this is, this is my situation from day one. And, you know, she of course paused a bit, but she was willing to just give it a try and see how it went. And, you know, I met her, I don't know, maybe they'd been together maybe six months before I met her and the the kids met her. Um, And it was, she just became part of the family over time. You know, she actually contributed to the the care of our children. She helped out. She wasn't just like a person hanging around. Um, And when we ultimately put an addition on our house so that we could have a little more space and a little more privacy, she moved in, you know, for a while she had just lived nearby, but she spent a lot of time here, but didn't live here. She moved in um, and they only got married two years ago, um, but they've been together, you know, now for over 10 years. So they really didn't rush things, but she was really part of our family much sooner than than when they got married. Wow. It sounds like you really got lucky (laughs) with her. Totally. I got so lucky with her. Um, I, you know, and from the, the day I met her, she and I went out for a drink alone. Like we just nice. decided that was the most <laughs> kind of low pressure way for both of us. So we went to the local bar here, had a drink. I liked her from the minute she walked in and I was nervous. You know, I didn't know that I would like her, um, but she was just so disarming right away. And she has always been so respectful of my role as the mother Um, even while she was participating and contributing, um, she just made it really easy for me to be welcoming. There was no threat. I never felt threatened by her, um, in terms of any of that. And so I was able to be welcoming and it just, uh, made the situation 
really easy kind of, it's strange to say, it was easy for all of us, not without struggles, but overall easy. Yeah. So what were some of the struggles? Because obviously a decade into the arrangement, it's maybe not for you because you're a writer, but I think for most of us, remembering our state of mind a decade ago, that's a little tough. So can you share what were some of the hiccups that you experienced while working out the nuances of this living arrangement? Yeah. So I'll share a story actually that happened before I met her. Um, It was, I went out of town with the kids and I, you know, I knew about her and everything, but we had never met. And um, he asked if it was okay for her to come to the house, or I think I even offered actually, I, you know, because there had been a little blip where they had gone out on a date, like in our town. Um, And I got a little bit upset because they went on like a double date to like the place where we always go and we always used to go. And it was kind of, you know, the neighbors didn't even understand that we were apart. So it felt sort of awkward for them to go on a double date with people that I knew to the place that was local. So anyway, we had a little bit of a blip around that in the beginning. It was just like getting used to this like new world. Um, So when I was going out of town, he was being very respectful and asking what I was comfortable with. Can she come to, to Maplewood where we live? Is that okay with you? And I said, yes. And in fact, if you want her to come to the house, that's totally fine with me. So I, I went away. I came back. Um, I was feeling, frankly, like kind of proud of myself and very like I'm such a sophisticated person. I'm totally okay with all of this. <laughs> and I got in the shower and... I saw this pink razor that was not mine. And at first I thought it was really funny. You know, I said, this is a great story for me to be able to tell. And it is a great story. I'm telling it now. But like in the beginning, like I'm going to tell my girlfriends over drinks, like my husband, I mean, he was still my husband at the time, but not in our minds. Right. My husband's girlfriend left her razor in my shower. This is hilarious. Well, what happened was when I started telling people, even though I thought it was a funny story, they did not think it was funny. And all of my friends started saying that is her. She did that on purpose. She is marking territory. She's sending you a message. Don't you dare think that that was an oversight. And suddenly I got all worked up. Like, how dare she do that? And I got very angry at him and told him, she left something here, but I wouldn't even tell him what it was because I was like, you should, you should not have let that happen. So anyway, the whole thing, it was just like my emotions. Um, even though like this was a situation I had orchestrated surprised me and the expectations of my friends fed like an emotion that I hadn't even had until then. And that kind of thing um, doesn't happen anymore. For one thing, I've told all my friends, I've asked for their support and cooperation. And now that everyone's so used to it that, you know, they wouldn't try to to tell us anything about how we should do things. Do you find that the pe- people's reaction is different when they are not at your house seeing all of you interact versus yes. when they are? Yes, absolutely. So I think, you know, for like our families, my, my parents, his parents, her parents, um, all of them thought, well, hold on a minute. <laughs> like when we told them what we were doing, they were like, this is not a good idea. And it's weird, you know, basically. 
Um, but I think for all of them, once they came and stayed with us at various, not all at the same time, but at various times, they understood. They said, oh, my oh, now we get it. Like now we see how it's working and what you're doing and why it's good for the kids and why it's good for all of you. Um, and it's the same with, um, you know, people that I've dated. I mean, I don't bring every person I date through here, but when I, you know, if I'm getting a little bit more serious with someone, I'll, they'll come over eventually. And they usually don't understand until they come here. And then they're like, okay, now I see what this is like. So that's interesting. What is, what is the reaction of the guys that you date versus the, your ex-husband's new wife? Because I'm wondering if there's like a, a tendency for women to maybe be more accommodating or more flexible. And I'm curious if maybe there is an innate... I don't know, territorial reaction from men, assuming that you date men? Yeah, no, I do. Uh, well, so I'm not really dating anyone right now, but yes, men. <laughs> Generally, generally, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, because we never really had experience with any woman in this situation other than Anna, and she's a special person. She's just very open-minded kind of person. So I don't really know if it's a gender thing. Um, you know, what I have found interesting is some men in the beginning are like, you're doing what? You know, they're clearly just not okay with it. And they're, they're also not a good match for me. Um, I found some men right away were like, this is great. You're not going to try to have a baby with me. You're not going to try to marry me. You're no, you don't need anything from me. Oh, this is like amazing until you got several dates in and then they started to say things like, well, I don't get how this is going to work. Like in the long term, like what if I want to live with you or like I have, you know, the men with kids often are hoping for someone to kind of join their family. Right. And, you know, I, I have said always like I have no intention of leaving here as long as my kids are, are still home. So how is your house set up? Because you mentioned a minute ago about adding an addition to the home. Yes. Yes. So if for the, so for the first year I just lived in the guest room, like it was directly next door to his room. So for a year or more, well, for more than a year, we lived that way. Um, But I, after about a year, I started feeling like, you know, it would be great to have like, a little bit of space, you know, my kids were, were three and five when we split up. So, you know, it, it, I was trying to date, you know, it was, so I thought, well, maybe I'll get like a little apartment just part-time and I'll live here, but I'll go there. But then I thought, well, that's, my life is complicated already. I have a full-time career. I have two kids. And so then I just started thinking, well, maybe we could add on to the house. And so we did, we got an architect and took out a loan and built what is basically a a standalone apartment. So behind me, this is my bedroom. Uh, I have my own bathroom. And then there's a door to my left that connects to the hallway where the rest of the house is. So the kids are right there. I'm not like in a separate place. But then downstairs, I have my own stairs and downstairs I have my own kitchen, my own living room and my own front door. But there's also French doors that open onto their dining room. So when I want to, I can just close 
the doors. I can lock the doors. Um, but there's a lot of in and out. Like everyone just goes in and out. If my doors are closed, then the adults over there will knock before coming in. But if they're open, they'll just come in. Um, and the kids just go wherever they want. Hey, Curiositors, just a quick pause to show gratitude to our sponsors and give you some special deals. Listen, if the last two years have given you a chronic eye twitch, you should consider trying medical marijuana. I highly recommend it. See what I did there? There's lots of ways for it to help you. So if you have questions and if you're the least bit curious, Google Empathic Practice Pensacola. It's the most non-intimidating way to get your medical card in Florida. Their in-house doctor and holistic support make them the easy choice. Empathicpractice.us If you've got backyard barbecue plans for 2022, but mosquitoes are not invited, I recommend Insect. I've been using their pest control service for several years now. They have a certified mosquito identification specialist on staff, and pollinator care is always top of mind. If you live in the Florida Panhandle or the Gulf Coast of Alabama, give them a call, ensec.net. The UWF Historic Trust. We shoot the show at the Pensacola Museum of History. It not only houses exhibits of lesser-known Pensacola history, it's an event space too. So if you need a unique space in downtown Pensacola for a fundraiser, networking event, or a corporate party, take a look at historicpensacola.org. And if you want to tour one of the 12 museums, get your tickets in person so you can show the agent one of my emails and get $2 off an adult ticket. Get emails by texting REAL to 66866. Now back to the show. Well, I imagine there's a lot of advantages to having, I mean, certainly financially, to having multiple incomes and one household. Are there any other advantages that you found of having so many adults under one roof? Totally. So especially when the kids were young, you know, someone's got to be home. Even late at night, it's not like you can go out if the kids are sleeping. But I always could because there was always somebody else here. And we didn't, we had like a loose schedule, like who was going to cook dinner. But, you know, my ex, his name is Tim. I don't know if I said that before. I can stop calling him my ex. But Tim (laughs) is a personal trainer. It gets up very early in the morning. So he's not a like go out at night kind of person. So he's almost always here in the evening. Um, So I had total flexibility. I still do, you know, with going wherever I wanted. It wasn't like, oh, Tuesday and Thursday is my nights at home. I can't go. And of course I'm I'm home and I want to be with the kids, but it doesn't have to happen on a certain day. And back before COVID, when people traveled, you know, if I had a work trip or a vacation I wanted to take without the kids, I didn't have to like rearrange anything. I didn't have to prepare anything. I can just literally say, Hey, by the way, these dates, I'm going to be gone. And then I can just leave. And, you know, splitting the driving and the cooking and all of that stuff between three parents is amazing. No doubt. I I think it's so interesting that the majority of the pushback that you got, or not the pushback that you got, but the pushback that you felt internally was from the reaction that you got. That it was from outside people saying, hey, this isn't right. Divorce should be well, really they weren't saying this, it doesn't sound like it, but what they were saying without saying was divorce should be terrible. You should be, it should be complicated and there should be lots of steps in arguing and it shouldn't be so amicable and together. You definitely should be separate. 
I think you said somewhere that divorce is not a failure. It's one of our greatest accomplishments. What did you mean by that? I just mean that so many people think that a divorce is a failure of your marriage. And to me, I'm like, you know, our marriage led to the life that we have now, which is a pretty great life, by the way. Um, and I feel like, you know, this didn't just happen on its own. I mean, we put a lot into creating the life that we have. And so I see it as an accomplishment. And, you know, we were lucky in certain ways. Um, but we really, you know, this is a very intentional um, creation. And there, that's why I see it as an accomplishment. And it takes a lot of creativity to make something that intentional. I think you said you had a couple of, mm, I'll call them thought experiments for yes. our audience. I would love to hear those. Well, so one of them, it was related to that time when I first started thinking, oh, I want to get, maybe I'll get an apartment. And I'm from Minnesota. So to me, I was like, the best thing I could do is get a place on a lake. <laughs> you know, I need a lake place. Everyone in Minnesota has a lake place. Maybe I could have a lake place and then I could live here. And I, I literally put the kids, this was, I put the kids in the car and I drove to a lake just randomly. And I'm in New Jersey now. So there's not lakes everywhere like there are in Minnesota. So we drove to a lake. The kids, I guess at that point, maybe were like, four and six and we couldn't even get to the shoreline of the lake because it was all private property and I'm sort of dragging the kids around and it wasn't summertime it was winter time I just wanted to see the lake we couldn't get to it so I took them out to lunch you know they of course didn't eat any of the food that I had bought for them and I went home and I felt so demoralized I thought oh I thought I had this great idea turns out it's a terrible idea and it just feels super complicated and everything's hard with little kids and I, I can't, I can't do this. But that was that I literally got out of the car and went in the backyard and started looking around and said, could I, could I add on here to this house? You know, and it was through thinking through like, what would it take for me to live away from this house part of the time? Um, and, you know, I thought, oh, then I won't have the shoes I want or the book I want will always be at the other place. It would look like what kids go through when their parents usually get divorced, right? Where they always going back and forth. And I thought that doesn't, that doesn't feel good. I don't want to do that. And so then I had to come up with, but I didn't want to stay in the situation I was in either. So I had to come up with an alternative. So you're saying did. that part of the, um, I don't know. I guess some people would call it bravery of creating a life that is intentional and doesn't have to follow the rules is having the bravery to ask yourself what you really want and trying out new thoughts around it. Totally. I mean, I, one of the things I encourage people to do, well, the first is really define what problem you're solving for if you think you're going to need a divorce, because, you know, there's that, that Tolstoy line in Anna Karenina that all happy families are the same, but each unhappy family is unhappy in its own way. I don't know if I got that perfectly right, but it's something like that. And so I think about that. If each unhappy family and unhappy marriage is unhappy in its own way, then why does the, the solution look the same for everybody? This divorce where we fight over things and, have custody arrangements and alimony and sell our house and 
you know, lose half your friends? And why, why is that the solution to so many problems that are actually quite different? Because if you think about, for an example, a, a marriage where there's abuse happening is very, very different than one where two people just fell out of love. But the solution is basically the same. So why on earth is that? So I, I encourage people get very clear about what problem you're solving for. And I eat, you know, to do that, you have to like go broad and deep and try to understand it from lots of different perspectives, but then you need to boil it down to its essence. So I call that your divorce problem. What is your divorce problem? What are you solving for? That's and for me, it was that I felt unsatisfied and disappointed and claustrophobic in my marriage because it didn't have the deep connection I craved. That was my problem. It didn't require me to have all the elements of a traditional divorce in order to solve that. And so the second piece is then create a divorce vision like or a life vision. If, the, if it's not about divorce, like any problem in your life, what, what are you aiming for? What do you want it to look like? And for me, that was something like, how can we and this marriage and create a life that allows me the freedom to find the connection I'm looking for while nurturing our family, causing the least possible pain for everyone involved and leaving everyone better off. That was my divorce vision. And if you can get that clear about what you want to do, then pretty soon you can see that the solutions to that are not the same as this traditional divorce path. Well, yeah. I mean, when you think about um, divorce, I mean, I always thought like, okay, so that's the problem. But what you're saying is we kind of are incorrectly reversing it and we're saying divorce is the problem. And I mean, we're kind of doomed, I guess, if we get that order wrong. But if you're saying like what I want in life is the X and X, the lack of X is the problem. And so either we can create X or we can create a new life in which divorce is a part of the equation, not necessarily the problem. I mean, that's so much deeper. Like imagine if you were at a bar and, you know, you know, the old scene from the movies, ha man, what's on your mind down on your luck. And the guy says, oh, well, I'm getting a divorce. That's what we expect. But what if instead he was like, well, I really don't have the deep connection I crave in my marriage. (laughs) (laughs) The conversations at bars would look a lot different. (laughs) Well, and I have to tell you, though, I have a lot of really good conversations in bars because I'm very, you know, open about my life and people are fascinated. And, you know, most people say, well, I couldn't imagine doing that. Um, But you know, and a lot of it has to do with the players, you know, involved in this case, for sure. But if once you know what the problem is, it's like, I don't know if you're familiar with design thinking, but this is how I think about it. The first step of design thinking, which we use to design things and solve problems in the corporate world is define the problem, redefine it, because we often think it's something and it's actually something else. And so once you've done that, Then the way you think about solving for it, or the way I think about my divorce is don't oversolve for problems you don't have. So if my problem is I don't have a deep connection, you know, to set up a custody schedule where I would have my kids half time is oversolving. Like, how is that going to help the problem that I have? It's not at all. So don't oversolve for problems you don't have. Like that right there is my number one 
piece of advice and also don't listen to other people's advice is the other one. Because if you do, you're never going to get to this like really creative place. You've got to listen to your own voice. I think we undervalue creativity across the board. Creativity for mental health solutions, which I'm sure you probably feel the same as a psychologist. Creativity for relationship solutions and finding creative solutions to create a positive microculture is kind of what you do professionally, right? Right. Yes. So I work for Deloitte and I work in a part of the organization called the Deloitte Greenhouse, which is all about helping clients solve their business problems by sort of taking them out of their usual environment, putting them in a different environment and challenging them to just really think differently about their problems. And, you know, that design thinking, which I mentioned a moment ago, is one way in which we do that. Um, and there are, there are many other ways. Um, and so I'm sort of now taking some of those same techniques and ways of thinking about problems and, and saying, you know, you can apply this to, to divorce. It's not only for solving problems that, that big businesses and teams have. I love that because it really represents the whole person. We're not work people and then home people. We're a whole person. <laughs> We're whole people. Yes, that's so right. it approaches right. um, problem solving. And really, it's not just problem solving. I feel like it's solution creation, which is, I don't know, maybe that sounds just like a positive spin to some people. But to me, it in my mind, it feels like a greater spectrum of possibilities. Oh, yeah. I love that. I, I really think so. I, it makes me think about it differently. So I know you have a book in the works about your unique uh, situation, but where can people stay in touch with you in the meantime while you're, we're waiting for it to make its debut? Yes. So I, I am working on a book. It probably will be called Divorce by Design. Um, they can, people can follow me on Instagram at Divorce by Design. That's Divorce X Design, like Southwest by, South by Southwest. Um, they can connect with me on LinkedIn, Suzanne Vickberg. Uh, I do a lot of activity on LinkedIn and they can go to my website, which is also divorcebydesign.com and sign up to get updates. And I will share them as I, as I get closer to get it, getting that book out there. Perfect. Thank you so much. This was amazing. Thanks for listening. If you loved a couple episodes of the show, help me let others know by leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Just share where you're listening from and why you liked a certain episode. And if you liked this episode, you'll also like the one about how ADHD can impact romantic relationships. That's episode 73. Stay tuned next week when I talk with the curator of an antique vibrator museum. Talk to you then.